Hey, Chirocasters, this is Dr. Drew Rubin. I have a very special episode for you today. This was recorded live at Life Vision Raw just this past weekend. And uh, it was in front of a very enthusiastic crowd, and Life Vision Raw has always been like home uh, for us. So uh, we just love anything to do at Life University. And of course, love our sponsors too, ChiroWrite, Now You Know, and Preferred Chiropractic Doctor, who've always been so supportive of everything we're doing. And now, here's the podcast. And to introduce our first speaker, uh, this young man has been a chiropractor for at least a couple of decades. You know, it doesn't matter where he goes, he's always received with such a, a wide open spirit because that's who he is. He is a dedicated chiropractor. He teaches chiropractors for the SPA all over the country, and we're really proud that he's also an associate. Adjunct. Adjunct professor here at University and practice just a few miles down the road. So at least let's get together this morning and welcome Dr. Dr. To make a Super Bowl commercial like that, right? Maybe there's a little money issue, right? I think uh, 30 seconds on the Super Bowl cost like 25 million dollars. Um, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, like we should be, we should have that. Shouldn't be hard for us to come up with, because as far as I can figure out in my 30-year career of being a chiropractor, I graduated from Life University in 1989. So 30 years this year. So as far as I'm concerned, and I, a way I can figure out, I don't get how come everybody isn't getting adjusted, right? Like Dr. Chuck and Dr. Jules and I and all you guys have been out there talking about this for 30, 40, 50 years. How is it that not everybody's getting adjusted? I st- this still blows me away. It really, I, I, I boggles my mind when I think of how many thousands of cars are driving by all the chiropractors that are all over the place and why we aren't filled up, right? We, why we aren't filled up. But they're filling up other places, aren't they? Right? But, sorry. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. sorry. Ruth. <laughs> uh, so today, Dr. Gilles uh, asked me to present to you uh, some principles on how to build a pediatric practice. Uh, and I created this sort of Super Bowl commercial with seven principles because I think like if BJ was alive today, I don't think he would make 33 principles. It's just too much for people to, to get in 30 seconds. You couldn't do 33 principles, you know, in 30 seconds on a Super Bowl. So I kind of amalgamated everything down to these seven principles. And what I want to do now specifically for pediatrics is I have like seven principles for a pediatric practice to build a highly successful pediatric practice. Because one of the things that I have found, uh, like Dr. Gilles said, teaching here for 18 years, teaching for the ICPA for six years now, traveling all over the world, is that people are very afraid of starting a pediatric practice. And I don't really know why, because to me, kids is everything, right? I don't, like, I, I would much rather adjust a child than an adult, uh, honestly. Um, I, I mean, I, I love adjusting the adults because they bring their kids in. But if I had to choose, I would just want to adjust the little kids who are 
running in. You know, the other day, I, I, <coughs> I was in with a new patient. I came out, and there's one little girl that I've been adjusting since before she was even born, right? So I kind of knew her all the way, her whole life, right? She comes running out to Dr. Ruben, I love you. I'm like, this is the kind of thing I want. I don't want someone saying, but doctor, it's here. It's, you missed a spot, right? That's, I would much rather have the kids running up to me and hugging on me, and she drew me a picture. I love you, Dr. Ruben. And that's, that's, that's it, right? That, to me, is the juice that, that drives me. Um, but I want to give you guys some practical things to do, uh, some real-life stuff that um, I've done over the 30 years that I've been in practice. So uh, I kind of boiled it down to seven bits of information for you guys. So here's the first thing. Like, there's a great uh, saying that's... Um, where is it? Somewhere in this room here. Uh, oh, here. We must become the change we want to see. So from Gandhi... Um, and how about this? How about let's change this sentence to we must become the practice we want to see, right? Right? We must become the, uh, like, be the practice you want to be. So many people tell me, uh, well, the reason I'm not really into doing pediatrics is because, and they give me this litany of reasons of why, why they can't do this and they can't do that. Well, insurance doesn't cover kids, and well, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm saying, but if this is what you want, then just start becoming it. Figure out, like, you have to place yourself way ahead of what you want and then walk to it, right? It's just like writing goals. Why do you write goals? You write goals so that you say, I have a dream and a vision of going this way, and then you just walk to the dream or the vision, right? So be the practice you want to be. If you want a pediatric practice, if you want a sports practice, if you want a, a geriatric practice, uh, whatever practice you want, be that practice <coughs> that you want Make it in your mind, design it out, and then walk to your dream, right? So that's the, the first thing, because if you really think about it, <clears throat> and one of the things that held me back my first few years in practice was the thought that I had that I'm just a little guy from a little town, right? I don't deserve any kind of success. I, come, I, I lived in an apartment house in a, on a pull-out couch in the living room, right? My parents came from nothing. When I graduated, I had a hundred and something thousand dollars in debt, uh, and I couldn't start paying it back initially, so I took out all these deferments, and it turned into almost $200,000. And I was like, oh, my God, like, who am I, right? That was the question I kept on saying, who am I to be successful? And then I started, like, really listening to Dr. Sid and Dr. Ribley and Dr. Santo and Dr. Sigafus and all the greats that have come before us that you, you we are, have been blessed to have in, in our presence and to still have Dr. Ribley is such an amazing blessing. And I learned from them, and I sucked up their knowledge, and I had to change my mind, right? The thing that was in my way was what? Me. I was in my way, right? Between my ears, my brain was in my way. I had to change who I was. I said, if this is what I want, Webster, Dr. Larry Webster, talked with me, and he said, you've got to be a pediatric chiropractor, and there's ways to do it, and write them down, and follow it, and do it. And I finally did that, and I became the chiropractor that I wanted to be. But I had, thank you, but, but I had to figure, I had to get my brain wrapped around it first, right? But and once, once, once you get there, there's no looking back, right? It's just like, like the, the old story that they burned the ships, right? You gotta burn the ships, no looking back, no taking prisoners, this is what I want, and then go after it. So you need to focus on what you want, focus on your dreams. My, my question to you is what beliefs are holding you back? 
What beliefs do you have about yourself that are holding you back? You know, what are you, what are you saying in your, in your back of your head, saying, I can't do this, I shouldn't do this, uh, my parents want me to do this, I really should, it's better, more money doing this. Whatever the things are that you have in your brain, come up with them. And then defeat those beliefs. Those beliefs don't work, right? If you ever read, like, Who Moved My Cheese? And the latest one, Out of the Maze, right? The whole thing is about, if you haven't read those books, you really should. You owe it to yourself. Who Moved My Cheese? And Out of the Maze by Dr. Spencer uh, Johnson. Um, it's all about beliefs, right? And this poor little, little mouse is, is in the maze, and he can't get out. And he says, I guess I'm just going to starve. And then he finds a friend, and the friend says, have you tried everything? Well, there's this dark alleys, and I'm afraid to go past in those dark alleys, right? And those blind exits. I don't know. I, I'm afraid to do that because I was told that I shouldn't go there. Well, who told you that? Well, someone a long time ago. Where are they? Well, they're not here. All right, well, maybe I have to go that way. Maybe I have to face my fears and get past it, right? So I'm suggesting to you, to, if, if you want a certain kind of practice, if you want whatever sort of dream you have, you've got to write it down, you've got to motivate yourself to get past those blind alleys and get past the places they have told you or you have told yourself that you can't get past to make that a success. So that's the principle number one for a pediatric practice. <clears throat> number two is what you measure grows. What you measure grows. If you're, and I don't, and I, money is important, right? You need to measure your income, of course, right? Because money counts, certainly, but that's not the only measure, right? There's a lot of things you need to measure. And I'm not just talking statistical measurements in your practice. I'm talking about, are you measuring the happiness in your life? Are you measuring the success uh, you feel in your life, right? All those things I think are super important to understand. What, so you need to measure this kind of stuff. If you want to become the person you want to become, how are you going to get there? What is your roadmap? If you don't have a roadmap, then don't expect to get where you, where you think you want to go. If you're blindly just walking along saying, I hope I'm just going to, I'll just do today what I did yesterday, that might not be the greatest idea, right? Sometimes you have to rethink things. And I think that's what's so important. So you need to measure Measure the things that you want to measure to, to help you become more successful. <clears throat> One of the things that I think is a super important thing for principle number three in helping you measure is to become a Lean Six Sigma office. I don't know how many of you guys have ever heard of Lean Six Sigma. Anybody? Wow. Okay. So this is, this is a really huge concept that was revolutionized my practice. Lean Six Sigma is a business concept. Started with Toyota way back when, when Toyota wanted to be the number one automaker in the world back in the 60s and 70s. And they hired <clears throat> some American consultants to come out <clears throat> to help them figure out how to change their positioning in the market. Because back in the 60s and 70s, what was Toyota considered? A piece of junk. A piece of foreign junk, right? That's how what it was considered. They said, we don't want that. We want to be world class. We want to be the top of our game. So what they did is they figured out that we have a lot of waste in our systems. They figured out the waste. And I don't mean waste as in physical pieces of junk. What I mean is wasted time, wasted <clears throat> efforts. When the assembly line had a lot of wasted time. And they said, we have to make the most efficient best assembly line ever to create the top cars. We need the best minds to think of what we want to look like, not just in the assembly line, but afterwards. And up until the whole issues that Toyota had with uh, some of the exploding cars they dealt with, uh, Toyota was the number one car. Now, Honda took over, 
as number one in the world, but Toyota was the number one car for many, many years because they followed the Lean Six Sigma idea. So how do you do that in your practices? Number one is you create a patient flow map. You create a patient flow map. What that means is, as an example, this is what we did in our office about 10 years ago, <clears throat> is the door opens, what happens? What happens from that moment on? The door opens, so we came up with the door opens, the person talks to the CA, the CA gives them paperwork, the person fills out the paperwork. We said, you know what, that's a big waste of time, why don't we send them paperwork, right? Because now we got the, they're sitting there for 20 minutes where we could be examining them, and now they're sitting there filling out the paperwork, right? So there was a big waste of time factor that we changed right there. And then we said, okay, now what does the person do? So now the person sits down for a while and then gets called to go into the new patient room. Uh, and how long does that take? Well, I used to do all the new patient intros, but sometimes we're like super duper busy and it takes me a while to get to that. So now we have our interns. We train our interns to be the people who are doing the, the intro, uh, taking some of the history kind of stuff. Right? I, that saved a tremendous amount of time because now they hand in their paperwork, they set for a second or two, we put the stuff in the computer, and now they're in with an intern getting started. So we, dis we discovered 20 to 30 minutes of wasted time with every new patient and slashed it all so now our whole new patient experience, unless it's a special needs kid where we're doing a lot longer exam and I see a lot of autistic uh, children with autism and stuff like that, but unless it's one hour start to finish, one hour start to finish with a complete chiropractic functional neurology exam, whole thing, right? It revolutionized it because before it was an hour and a half, two hours because we had all this wasted time. And the same thing with our regular patients, the established patients you're adjusting every day. We found that there was a, we, we, we drew a patient map, a physical map of what happens when they walk to the front desk, sit in the waiting area, walk to get adjusted. What was that kind of procedure? And we cut out a number of steps in that to make it streamlined. It was, it was a brilliant thing, so I absolutely recommend looking into Lean Six Sigma. If you're interested, just you can email me, and I'll send you some of the books that I've read that are about this, but it's a plethora of stuff. I mean, you can even, you can get, they, they actually have black belts, they call them, uh, in Lean Six Sigma certification if you want to go totally crazy, but I just suggest read the books. <clears throat> so that's the first thing. And the second uh, thing that I learned from Lean Six Sigma is our office procedures, our paperwork, our policies, you know, a report of findings, all those kind of things. I deconstructed all those things. So we looked at it and we said, is this how we want it to be, right? If we were a patient, we turned ourselves around. If we were a patient, is this how we'd want this to be? And we took apart piece by piece our paperwork, took apart what our report of findings looked like, took apart what all our financials looked like. And one of the biggest drains it was, that was happening in my practice with this step was that I was doing all the financials. Another huge, long process that I've given over to my CAs, let them do that kind of stuff because I want to go out there and adjust and see new patients, right? So that was another huge energy drain that we were able to shift around. So, and that's what the Six Sigma ideas really taught us. So I highly recommend you looking into <clears throat> Lean Six Sigma. Don't do the regular Six Sigma. The regular Six Sigma, if you're Googling it right now, like so many of you are, um, if you're looking it up on Dr. Google, uh, don't do regular Six Sigma because that's more manufacturing. That's more the manufacturing side, like what Toyota you know, also kind of did. They did two different kind of Six Sigmas. Uh, the Lean Six Sigma is more of the waste in terms of time and energy and effort. <clears throat> um, so that's the third thing. The fourth thing is to make sure you stay 
to build a successful pediatric practice, make sure you stay a lifelong learner. A lifelong learner. So I don't, how many of you guys are students here right now? Cool, love it. So all you students, let me tell you something super important. You don't stop learning when you graduate. Right? School only st stops because you get a diploma, but school then begins again. Right? And now you're getting schooled every single day. Right? And what are you doing to keep yourself up? Right? Do not rely. Do not rely on the once a year coming to fall CE, uh, getting your 30 some odd hours and five hours in you know, supposed uh, you know, laws and blah, blah, blah. Right? Don't rely on that to be the way that you should be getting yourself educated. Especially if you have a specialized practice, right? If you're a pediatric chiropractor, sports chiropractor, geriatrics, orthopedics, whatever kind of stuff, if you're specialized, you better be sucked in to this stuff to get as much information as you can. I'm on litserves, all these different autism litserves and all these pediatric litserves that are constantly sending me articles. Right? So I don't have to scour the pediatric journals and the autism journals and the neurology journals and the frontier of research journals. They send stuff to me. So I can peruse it every single day. I get five, six, eight, ten different emails from these different litserves, and I look in there and I say, there's a good article. There's something interesting I want to read. And it takes me five minutes, and I print up the articles, and now I have this bevy of research to keep me on top of my game. Right? So, for instance, one of the big things that started happening a couple of years ago, which made me super appreciate this really good habit that, that I have been taught, is when pandas and Lyme disease and all the neuropsych autoimmune kind of things started popping up, right? I was already on top of this, right? I had already heard about this kind of stuff from Dr. Beck in New York, who wrote the book uh, Healing the New Childhood Epidemics. I was already on top of these things because I had been really involved with the research. So I was able to plug myself into this kind of stuff. And people started coming in saying, my kid's got Lyme disease and, and he's got like ticks and OCD-like tendencies and these behavioral issues and all this kind of stuff. Have you ever heard of that? And I wasn't like, uh, I had to run off and look, you know, Google it and figure it out. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that and I've dealt with that too. And I know exactly what we have to do with these kids. Right? We're going to check some functional neurological things. We have to change their diet, do this, this, and this. Right? Made amazing changes because I was on top of the research. Right? So I suggest always keeping on top of this kind of research, whatever it is that you're passionate about. Um, getting super involved in stuff like if you're into pediatrics, right? we have the ICPA. Get involved with the ICPA. Get certified. If you're already certified, and like I was certified years ago, but I'm still going to ICPA seminars to learn more and new information, to refresh myself. The ICA has some great pediatric seminars, um, you know, too. Um, and every organization has seminars, certifications, stuff like that. Keep on top of your game. It is so important. But you know what's also important in terms of keeping on top of your game is it's not just about the chiropractic stuff. What are the kids interested in? You better know Paw Patrol, right? I, you better know all these, you know, Moana and all these, uh, these uh, when Frozen came out, we had Frozen stuff all over the office, and we still do. And all the little girls were coming in in Frozen outfits, singing, you know, that song, uh, what was this, what's the name of the song? Oh my God, I, it was, I, I blocked it out from post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, let it go, let it go, let it go. All the girls are singing this song, and I'm like, ah, not again. Uh, but I, I understand. They love this kind of stuff, and they're still coming in in all their little princess outfits. And it's the cutest thing to see them in their little tutus. And what princess are you today? And you have to keep up with this, because now, even though Frozen is still hot, you've got to know Moana, right? She's like the number one princess, you know, lately. And I'm sure there'll be another princess. Incredibles 2 came out. 
this past year, you've got to be on top of that. You've got to know that Incredibles 2 just came out. You can't be in the dark, right? So you've got to know these kind of things, right? You've got to keep up with the stickers and the coloring books and the, the, all the little gizmo things that you're going to do when, you know, to, to, in, because you're enticing them, right? Now, kids, kids don't cry when they come to my office when they're coming in. When do they cry? Leaving. Leaving my office, I am like coming to like Sky Zone, right? I'm the Sky Zone of chiropractic. All the kids want to come to my office, they want to play in my office, and they don't want to leave. And the parents always come in in the beginning, it's like, oh, my son or my daughter, he's never going to let you touch him. I'm like, you don't worry about me touching him. You worry about you figuring out how to get them out of my office. Right? Because once they're here, they fall in love with all our staff. They fall in love with all the stuff that we do, the antics that we, we, we have for them, all the, the like, love that we pour into these kids. They don't want to leave because they, this is like a love fest you know, for them. So, but, you need to, but being a lifelong learner doesn't just mean in your field. Right? It also means what is that they're doing. So if you're in sports, you've got to learn all about the whole, who's the new people in sports that are the hot people that everybody else is talking about. You know, if you're into triathlons, you better know who the top triathletes are. Are if you're and the best sneakers and sneakers uh, that, that dates me right. Nobody calls them sneakers anymore. I said that to a 16 year old the other day. I said you should get a new pair of sneakers. He's like a what? <laughs> I'm like oh god, running shoes. Sorry, sorry. It's so, so 1980s. Um, <laughs> it's true. I need. A, does anyone even use the word sneakers anymore? Oh yeah, tennis yeah, tennis shoes, running shoes. Right. That's that's what we, yeah that's what they are now. <laughs> tennies. Yes, my tennies. I need to have my tennies. <clears throat> so, here's principle, here's principle number five. Principle number five is you need to have a kid-friendly office. Uh, if, you're, if you want to be a pediatric chiropractor, you need to have a kid-friendly office. So, what, here's my suggestion. Is go to your office, you know, after, like tonight after the party um, or tomorrow morning and sit there in your office and I want you to look at it and say, does this look like a kid-friendly place? Crawl on the ground. And is there anything down on the ground that could be dangerous to kids? Are there any sharp corners, right? Uh, when we built out our, our office a number of years ago, um, all the corners had to be rounded. Like, this is not very rounded here, right? So a little kid goes like this, runs head first with it. This is a much worse injury than a nice rounded corner, right? So I remember when we first went in there and they laid the granite countertop you know, down and we saw it like this and I said, you are going to pick that up and take that back and make it rounded. Oh, well, that's the best we could do. <laughs> no, it's not. I know what a rounded corner looks like. Rounded means round, right? This is not round. They're like, well, look, it's a little round over here. No, I mean like really round, right? And then so after haggling for a bit of time, I'm like, I'm, you just, I would have rather have nothing here than something that's going to hurt my kids. Right? So that's how vigilant you had to be. So like, fine, you know, then they took it back and they made it nice round corners. Because, so that's what I want you to think about. All the outlets, are all the outlets covered? <clears throat> make sure all your outlets are covered. You know, make sure everything is safe as you possibly, you know, can make it. Do you have, and here's a very important thing. A lot of people think the way to make your practice look more uh, kid-friendly is to have more technology. And they're putting up iPads and screens for kids to play with. They need manipulatives. The kids need something to touch. They need something to touch, something to physically hold. They need things to read. They need things to color, right? They don't need things to color on like a computer screen like this and press a button and then color here and press another button. Color. They don't need that. They get enough of that when they're out of your office. You need to have developmentally appropriate things for them to put their hands on, right? Because that is, that is what a real kid-friendly office you know, looks like. Number six is embracing change. 
embracing change. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, being in practice 30 years, every five years, your life is going to be vastly different. And I never would have thought that to be true when I graduated back in 89, but it's absolutely true. Every five years, stuff changes. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the not that good, but you better be very adaptable. So be okay with that, right? Be okay with the fact that things are going to change. Be okay with the fact that, that insurance is gonna shift and insurance will shift again and insurance is gonna shift again and there's all these, you're gonna to have to, it's a dance, right? That's how I look at this, it's like a dance. We're always dancing through our practice coming up with another dance, saying, okay, the merengue doesn't work, now we'll hit the salsa, the salsa doesn't work, now we'll do the waltz. Whatever dance we got to do to make it work in that particular environment, whether it's with how financially we're handling patients or, not, you know, 10 years ago, were there cell phones that people were looking you up on cell phones and looking you up on Facebook? No, we've had to change our dance, change the way we're advertising out on Facebook and website. Who ever heard of a website? Right now, everybody's got all these crazy website things and you so you have to play the game and figure out what the new dance is and then dance in that particular uh, avenue <clears throat> so i think that's super important you know what are the trends also what are the trends in your particular specialization right so if you have any kind of specialization what are your trends in that what's changing right are there is there new things coming out right in sports i know there's all these like instrument assisted adjusting you know tools that they're using you better be on top of that because that's what everybody's talking about Right? So we need to be on top of all these different things. And then the last one, number seven, is have fun. Purposefully, intentionally, design your practice to have fun. Right? You want to have a great time in practice. You want to have a great time with your patients. You want your patients seeing that you're having a great time with them and the staff. Right? This is chiropractic, at least in my brain, is serious. I take it very seriously, but as I'm practicing, I'm just having a good old time. Right? I just want to enjoy myself. I just want to just like love on my patients, whether they're adults or kids or pregnant women or grandmas or anything in between. I just want to love on them. And that's what's going to keep them coming back, right? Because there's five bazillion other chiropractors around, unless you live in the middle of Alaska, right? There's five billion other chiropractors around. Why would they see you, right? Because they need love. They need attention, right? Most of the time, most of these people, they're starved. They're, they're skin starved. Right? Nobody's ever touching them. They go to a doctor and their doctor is sitting like over here looking at the screen saying, here's what the problem is, here's what the problem is. One of my favorite things that happens every week is a new, we had two new patients on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday morning, they both said to, that with two children with autism, both parents said to me the same exact thing after the exam. They said what? I've never had a doctor give me that kind of physical yeah, I've never had a doctor take this kind of time before, give me this kind of information before, come up with this sort of stuff before, and give me this much hope before. And I get that every single week, right? Because I am on top of my game. And that's what we all need to be, is on top of our game. And I per but I'm doing it in a fun way. So the kid, like almost all the patients, like, oh, my kid's so, you know, touch sensitive or whatever, because a lot of them have these you know, issues. Don't worry. We got this. I, I work around whatever they need, right? You want to be touched in a certain way? Fine. You don't want to be touched that way? I, can, I have workarounds, right? So we need to come up with things <clears throat> to have fun, to make sure that everything we're doing is okay with them. <clears throat> we call it a patient-centered practice. So I'm not doing stuff that I want to do to them. I'm doing stuff that they are okay with me doing to them. Right? Which is a, different, is a different thought process versus saying, get the kid to lie down and shut the kid up. You hold the feet, you hold the head, I'll adjust them. I'm not doing that. 
I'm not doing that, right? I want the kids to want to get adjusted. I don't want them driving up to my office going, ah, right? I want them driving up my office going, yes. We have, there's a one little uh, uh, child with autism who's, she started out totally nonverbal a couple of weeks ago. And the mom says, when we pull into the office park that we're at, she starts going like this, right? Shaking with excitement because she wants to see Dr. Rubin, right? Is there no greater gift than we can have, right? No greater gift we can have than to, than to tap them into the intelligence of the universe, right? Because when she gets adjusted yesterday, she was sitting there like this. She was like, bliss. When I was adjusting her, I was watching bliss on her face. And there's no greater joy, right? BJ said that. There's no greater joy than bringing this kind of information to them, bringing their intelligence back, turning them back on, right? That's what it's all about. Is, is revivifying these children, revivifying these adults. Everybody's walking out there like an automaton, like a zombie like this. And we're going to go in a most gentle, loving way and say, wake up, let's turn on your nerve system, right? Allow your nerve system to now interact to and from, right? To be able to figure out the environment, you know, with the ascending tracks and descending tracks to have a more appropriate response. Ascending, descending. We have to make sure that this is a beautiful dance, that there's no traffic jams in that dance. Right? That's what, what our job is. I want to reconnect my kids. I want to reconnect my adults. I want to reconnect the pregnant women and really change their lives. And I think if you follow these seven steps, you are really going to have a lot better understanding of how to create the practice of your dreams. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, excuse me.